It's Dr. Stu's Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Stuart Fishbein, community-based practicing obstetrician and longtime advocate for birth choices. And this is podcast number 167, and I'm here as usual with my friend and best co-host in the business, the blisterious one, Bliss Young. Bliss, how are you today? I'm great. You are? Yeah, how are you? It's weird. It's weird outside. No, it's beautiful. It's raining. Yeah. Makes it feel sort of cozy in John's little cave here. I know. In our studio, which I really like to be. Oh, by the way, we're happy to be with you for this podcast. And you can find us on uh, Facebook and on uh, Instagram at Birthing Instincts or at Birthing Bliss Midwifery. Our websites are birthinginstincts.com and birthingbliss.com. You can email me at askdrstu, that's A-S-K-D-R-S-T-U at gmail.com or birthingbliss at hotmail.com. So if any of you emailed me at askdrdoctorstu.com, I won't get it. So don't don't send it there. Don't do that. Don't do that. But we're going to do some letters today too. But Yay. So as I was driving here in the rain, with very little traffic, by the way, which is sort of weird, I thought of uh, this whole thing about, so it, it reminded me, of, I'm going to ask you some questions in a minute, but remember this, raindrops on roses mm-hmm. and whiskers on kittens? Mm-hmm. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Mm-hmm. It feels like that, doesn't it? Brown paper packages tied up with strings. Mm. Do we still get that? Delivered by brown boxes with Amazon swooshes on them, <laughs> tied up with with tape. duct tape. These are a few of my favorite things. And we'll get later in the podcast today. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. you know a lot of things that are going on in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of hysteria and panic going on in the world. Yeah. So. Crazy, crazy. We're going to talk about, uh, so when the dog bites and when the bee stings and when I'm feeling sad, I simply remember my favorite things. And then I don't feel so, so bad. bad. Right. So, see, we feel good already. <laughs> All right. So, speak, so just on that. Well, on let that, me tell you a little trivia. Okay. So, my aunts and uncles, my mom's one of seven children. Uh-huh. My aunts and uncles um, were the singing voices for the Von Trapp family. Your family was the Von Trapp family? No, the singing voices. No, Not I know that. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mean they, they lip synced? Yeah. No. Yeah. No, I Am 16 Going on 17 wasn't sung by that no. cute little woman? No. Oh, my God. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. They didn't lip sync for Julie Andrews, though, did they? No. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I, I told you my Julie Andrews story, though, that I met her in the elevator one time. I don't think I remember that. Oh, yeah. I think I, I might have mentioned it on the podcast mm-hmm. before. Yeah, I was at Century City in my old office building, and it was, we were going, I was 17th floor, and I was going up the elevator, and the only person on the elevator with me was Julie Andrews. That's cool. It was really cool, and I, you know, I debated, you know, I, I'm very shy about approaching people who are, not shy, but respectful, I guess is the word. But I had to say something to her, and I just said, you know, you brought me so much joy as a, as a, as a kid, and, you know, with Mary Poppins and, and uh, Sound of Music. And was she, she was very gracious. That's She nice. said, thank you. Very, you know, with that British accent, it was very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a memory that I have. That's yeah. lovely. Yeah, that and meeting Mike Ruzioni at the uh, Kings game the other day. Yeah. You know, you know who he is now because I posted talk- it on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would not have known. Different kind of thrill. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Much more emotional to meet Julie Andrews on an elevator <laughs> than Mike Ruzioni, the captain of the U.S. Olympic team from 1980. 40 years ago. It's one of those positive things I remember where I was. I mean, I remember, I think you and I might have been talking about the fact that we always remember where we were on tragic days. Yeah. Like I talked about Dealey Plaza last time, I yeah. think, and, and yeah. when Kennedy was shot and I was mm-hmm. in second grade spelling class. 
So it was really kind of nice. Anyway, I do have some questions for you. All right. By the way, are you still doing jigsaw puzzles or did you give up on that? And you're cured. Oh, John, I did your puzzles. That's my question. <laughs> you did them both? How long did they take? Not long. They're only 750 pieces. Oh, only seven. John, she did your... Uh... I did your puzzles. All the pieces oh, were there. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> they were great. We had, we had good fun. Actually, I'm in the middle of the second one, but I rolled it up and I'm going to open, I'm going to bring it back out. Did I have you, a puzzle you... mat. I'm really a dork. Yeah, you told me this. So you can you can. You said there are puzzle tables and everything, little yeah. drawers. Yeah, so you can roll it up, and then I put it away for now, and then when I have a guess over, I'll pull it back out. Are you? Um, did you take pictures of them mm-hmm. when you're done? Mm-hmm. Okay, you have to. Maybe we'll post one on the. Uh, yeah, we did the page. we did the New York one, so we can we can okay we can cool post that. So uh, that's kind of fun. That's one of your favorite things to do. I wanted I wanted to ask you some questions <laughs> so about. So dorky. Yeah, it is. So do you have like a favorite? Do you like have a favorite movie? Um, I have a few favorite movies. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Give me, a, give us some of them. People want to know. Um, True Romance, which makes total sense, but it was written by, um, <laughs> Scorsese came to my brain. It's definitely not no. it. Well, he's not a writer, so. <laughs> um, T- Tarantino. He didn't direct it or produce it, but he wrote it and, uh, brilliant dialogue. Um, yeah. Back, back, uh, when Patricia Arquette was young and super cute she played the prostitute yeah and they fell in love um so i that's one of that's my one favorites of, okay mm-hmm. et was when i was a kid mm-hmm. i saw it like 10 times mm-hmm. literally it was one of my favorite movies ever um and then uh sunshine eternal sunshine of the spotless, spotless mind, mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why why am i not surprised that my movies aren't anything similar to your well actually I, uh, one of my favorite genres is father-daughter movies. Yeah, I know so, that about you. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I like the movie like Dreamer with Kurt Russell and Dakota Fanning. I like the movie um, Interstellar mm-hmm. with uh, Matthew McConaughey. And uh, I, I don't know the name of the little girl that played his daughter, but I get very choked up about that. I love mm-hmm. The Fly Away Home with mm-hmm. Anna Paquin. And, very uh, sweet. Oh, what's his name? Uh, actor's name's Jeff, always... Jeff something or Sorry, other. actor. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Anyway, I'm sorry about that for anybody who knows that guy. Because <laughs> uh, it'll come to me in the middle of the podcast and I'll, I'll shout it out. Mm-hmm. And my favorite science fiction movie of all time was actually Aliens. Mm. The second one. Oh, the, really? The rescue mission. Huh, awesome. Right. Was there a daughter in that? Yeah. No. There was? There was. Oh, I don't remember that yeah. part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm yeah. wondering if that's why, I, that's why it was my favorite. But I, I like the military precision. It was directed by James Cameron and it was uh, just a, a really interesting take on the aliens and then the franchise sort of went on and on and on and on and, uh, you know they made a lot of mileage out of an alien that bleeds acid <laughs> <laughs> mine are always about true love they are i saw emma this soulmates week. all that oh was it good yeah it was good. it started off really slow and i thought i thought this is going to be boring and i'm going to be really out of here soon and then it got and then it got good and it was jane austen you know, typical. Everybody's messing with everybody else's relationships, and you, it all it all works out in the end. Do you walk out of movies? The only movie I've ever really walked out of was I walked out of um, a Minions movie. Oh, it was just too dumb. It was just really dumb. Yeah, <laughs> it's the only one I ever remember walking out of was a Minions movie. Oh, you know what? Other movie I walked out of? Mm-hmm. Um, it was a it was a divorce movie with Jennifer Aniston and and. Uh, 
and uh, the tall comedian guy, um, Vince Vaughn. The breakup? The breakup. I walked out of it. Were you in the middle of a breakup? Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. It was really well done, and it was really intense, and I oh, just couldn't take it. Yeah, you were like, nope. Yeah, it was done, because mm-hmm. I liked that movie. Yeah. But, okay. Well, I wasn't in the middle of one. I was just not over yeah, one. I can relate. And I just wanted to keep yelling at the screen. <laughs> Stop being so stupid. <laughs> Apologize. Say what you think. You know. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay, so do you have a Not most? Movie do you have a most influential uh, person in your most life or people? That's a tough one. Most influential. Um, I mean, mom and dad and all that stuff. For a lot of people, would say that, but uh, but I'm talking about like a public figure, a writer. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I think my midwives were my most influential, honestly. So Connie yeah. Rock, Constance Rock. Yeah, she like really influenced a lot of how I care for myself, how I think outside the box in terms of um, health care, how I care for my children, how I eat, how I think about eating, um, you know, and then, of course, my births and then becoming a midwife myself. So I think probably that's, you know, an interesting person to say. But um, yeah. but yeah, I think she's influenced me quite a bit. How about you? It's a tough one for me because mm-hmm. I've been influenced in so many different ways yeah. by so many different people that, yeah. I, that I'd hate to single anybody out. But obviously the people that still carry the most weight for me are my mom and dad. And just even though there were times where we were at each other's throats, especially with my mom, mm-hmm. I mean, the more I think about it, the more, you know, the person that I became and the, the fact that I pursue things and that I'm persistent and that I'm, you know, uh, a math savant to some degree mm-hmm. um <laughs> these things are you know i give to my mom and i give my dad the the, the credit for being the the a sweeter uh nicer guy who sort of lets just decides to let things go it's a real it's a real dichotomy between them two mm-hmm. but yeah and then, then there's so many other people um, oh of course of course um, depends on where you are in life right yeah, I still credit my 11th grade English, uh, gra- excuse me, 11th grade chemistry teacher for inspiring me to go to medical school. And That's I do remember cool. going, oh, she was a great teacher, Mrs. Johnson. That's cool. Dolores Johnson. This was back in St. Louis Park High School in 11th grade. And I remember going back when I graduated medical school, just to uh, high school, just to say hello to her. Yeah. And thank her. Yep. Yeah. So I have one like that. Yeah. And, and you and the listeners are going to get a little dirt on me. So yesterday, um, a friend of mine came, dropped by and, and came to see me. I've known her since third grade. Um, so 40 years we've known each other. And my junior year of high school, I got kicked out for ditching too much. And my mom didn't cover my butt, so they kicked me out of school. I had to go to continuation school, and I worked full-time. My drill team teacher... You know, because we were like professional, well, not professional, we competed um, in drill team, went to Japan, we were on the Super Bowl, we... You mean in the high school that you got kicked out of? Uh-huh. Okay. We were on TV, like, you know, we just were like a award-winning com- competitive team. Um, so I decided this was not how I was going to finish high school. I was not really interested in that. So they gave me a packet of homework that was supposed to like last the whole semester and I finished it and like a week and I was like okay I want to go back <laughs> and she's the one who advocated for me to be able to come back to the high school and got me back in and it was the same kind of thing she was really hard on me she would call me out we would be on a football field and she would call me out there'd be like 
a thousand dancers out there and she'd call me out on the microphone. Um, but she really had my back. Um, and I also went to visit her like, you know, years after and thanked her for advocating for me and believing in me. So that's kind of cool. So, yeah. you know, and if I thought about it longer, then I'd probably oh, yeah. come up with any more. Top how about, 10. How about a favorite book or a, a, a book? Yeah. A favorite book or a book that's influenced you uh, or that's changed your life or that, you know, like I could say, well, I, I love reading uh, all the books on uh, the King Arthur legend. Mm. And there's a trilogy. Um, and I, God, I, I meant to look up the author's name today. I forgot his name. But it's a trilogy of King Arthur. There's a whole bunch of King Arthur books. Um, there's one from the aspect of the women. The something about uh, not the Amazon. Um, Mists of Avalon. Mists of Avalon, mm -hmm. right? That <laughs> one. And but there's there's a whole series of books on it. I was fascinated by that. It's part of my British history fascination. Well, um, I don't know if these books influenced me so much, but I was very into Stephen King um, in high school and, and like my early 20s. See, I would not have guessed that because <laughs> you, you don't like scary stuff now. I don't really love like chop em up movies, but I like thrillers. I like thrillers a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And his, I think he has a ghost writer now. Like you could see when his writing style changed. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Um, but he, like his short stories and stuff were amazing. And um, Well, they made the Shawshank Redemption was made from a Stephen King short story. Yeah. Yeah. And he just, his detail is amazing, yeah. you know, beautifully written. Um, One of my books yeah. that influenced me the most, I think, was... Uh, when I first read Ayn Rand's um, Atlas Shrugged. Mm, I still haven't read that one, but I... Yeah, it's a long, but it's over yeah, it's a thousand a pages, one. but it's, uh, it changed changed everything for me politically and mm. uh, how I thought about um, the fruits of my labor and who they belong to, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's a really interesting story. And uh, she also wrote The Fountainhead, which is, has a similar theme mm -hmm. of about the, the individual over the collective. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of listeners are probably the other way around and that's fine. But, you know, I, I was a, I was a, you know, Hubert Humphrey, Walter Mondale, Minnesotan Democrat until I read that book in 1986. Mm. And then I began to th look at things differently. And that's interesting. You know, part of my idea of possibly leaving California in the, in the future is based on the fact that I, I, I see what's going on in Sacramento and I see yeah. all the things that are going on and, and and the, the taking of things from uh, people, or the or the mandating that the government rules this, or the government regulates that, or the government um, you know tells you when you know if you have government run, like say we even have government run healthcare, and say I need a, I, I'm having back pain and I want a CAT scan. I mean I can get it tomorrow, mm -hmm. now, mm -hmm. but in the Canadian system I might have to wait six months for it. And I, you know that whole that whole thing where. Um, uh, I, I didn't have a way of thinking. It was just, it changed my way of thinking. Mm -hmm. It's like some kids when they were, when, when I was really young, when teenagers read uh, Catcher in the Rye or something and it changed their, their way of looking at, at life. So this was the same epiphany for me. Well, I will tell you related to birth, um, reading Suzanne Arm's Immaculate Deception when I was in my first pregnancy. So I was 19, 20, um, totally blew my mind in regards to why we have, obstetrics the way that we do and what happened to midwives and so that was a very influential book on me and then in my early 20s conversations with god um walsh i think is who, the author mm -hmm. um yeah that one you know it it 
takes a very different perspective about God and the Bible and, you know, the Ten Commandments and all of that, which I was very, you know, was not a religious person. I wasn't raised that way at all. And that really opened my mind to thinking about things in a completely different way. Um, so, Cool. Here's a short one. What's your favorite color? I don't think I have one. Ooh. I do. You do? Bl- purple. Not really purple. It's actually periwinkle. Periwinkle. I was always disappointed when I would get a box of Crayola crayons. And it didn't, you know, anything <laughs> under the 64 didn't have periwinkle That's in amazing. it. <laughs> so it's been your favorite color for a really oh, long yeah, time. Oh, yeah, since I was, uh, since ever I got a box of crayons that had more than 64 in it. That's amazing. I wonder, that's a really I think it's probably the name. Thing. I just yeah. like the name periwinkle. periwinkle. Mm-hmm. It seems something sort of fantastic. Whimsical. Fantas- yeah, fanta- fantastical. Right. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whimsical. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't discriminate. I just love color. Although I mostly wear black yes, and gray. I know. I, know. <laughs> I look better in these colors or they're oh, easier. Gosh. But. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on. I have some letters that we were trying to get to last time. So I'm going to get Great. to a couple of short ones. So we'll go through those first. Okay. Uh, this is from Robin in Colorado. She just writes, I'm reading this one. This is this is this is one for make <laughs> to help puff us up a little bit. Ooh, Hi, Dr. Stu and Bliss. I love the podcast and I learned so much from you both. Mm. All right. I know the that the always end. makes us feel good when we hear that. <laughs> Dr. Stu, in a previous podcast, you threw out the idea of having a national birthing center for breaches and twins oh, mm-hmm. where families could come for care and doctors could come for training. It may have been the on the off-the-cuff joking comment, but it wasn't, Robin. I was actually quite serious about it. I just don't know how to make it come true. But I hope you would consider doing this in Utah. <laughs> but you live in Colorado, so I'm not sure why she... Oh, she thinks because I'm moving to Utah, is that why? Yeah. Oh, okay. You would not have to be on call, just do the daytime births and teach the new doctors. Okay. When I read that letter, I thought she was going to tell you she would make it happen yes, for you. Yes, <laughs> me too. I was like, I hope you do it. I'm like, darn. Well... Much love, especially to Bliss. <laughs> She says. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Robin. <laughs> okay. Here's, I need uh, it. Yeah, Robin, you know, I don't know if we're going to ever get to that done, but that's, that, there was a, my, my colleague and friend, Larry Lehman, he's a professor in New Mexico, and he just had a paper published this week, actually, on, let's see, the title of it was, um, I forgot the title of it, I have it in here someplace. Uh, oh, well, I'll find, I'll find it later. <laughs> um. But the ti- but it's about uh, the fact that breach is a reasonable option, but that but the teaching has disappeared. Yeah. And he sort of reviews the literature again, once again, to make an argument for bringing t- breach teaching back, but doesn't see how that's going to happen without s- giant centers where people can get enough training. Mm-hmm. You just can, you can you can get some training by watching videos and doing simulations, but but you you have to have people to uh, and you have to be real situations to do it. And I just don't see, unless the lead, unless you know the leaders of our profession retire and a new set come in who are more innovative and more open-minded, uh, I don't see that happening. Because if it was going to happen, it should have happened already. Because there's been 15 years of data that supports properly selected vaginal breach delivery, and it, and they're still not teaching it. Yeah, but we but we need to keep. You, we just need to keep advocating because you never know how things are going to change. And if you give up, then there's never no, an opportunity I, I, well, no, to do that. So yeah. did, I, to, did I sound like I was giving up? 
No, but I, you know, I don't know if it'll happen after 15 years. It's just like, we just have to keep, we just have to keep pushing forward and keep talking about it and keep making as much possible for people to learn. And, and, um, yeah, we need a, we need a change it. of the guard and the, in the, the academic gatekeepers that we have. We people need, die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. All right. Things are changing before you move on. Cause it came to my mind. Um, I had a friend, midwife friend, um, who had a surprise breach. They transported because of heavy mech in, in earlier labor. Um, but then upon getting to the hospital, they, um, the, as the baby descended into the pelvis more, the midwife who was caring for them in the hospital suspected breach from the vaginal exam. And then they did an ultrasound to confirm. Um, but the baby's head was molded. So what do you think about that? So wait, she delivered, how did she end up delivering? C-section. And the baby had a molded head? Yes. Well, I... Th- Might have flipped no- in labor, right? Did it have caput? Not caput, but molding. Not like Well, molding most- can be... You know, baby's heads can get compressed by the fundus when it's contracting, and there could be molding. By the fundus. That's yeah. an interesting... Okay. Because that's the thick part. That's the part where... Mm-hmm. So you could... You could, you could have a slightly mis- I mean, we've seen breech heads. Usually, they're perfect. Right, that's what I'm saying. But I, I suppose sometimes, depending on on where it was sitting or how it was sitting, you could have some molding. Okay. Uh, is it possible it flipped in labor? Yeah, that it is possible it's flipped. Yeah, in labor. I didn't know if that was maybe from your perspective a sign that maybe that there's happened. a classic uh, picture in a textbook of a X-ray picture of a f- of a breech baby in la- you know in taken in labor where the fetal scalp electrode is on the baby's head. Say it again. I'm like, what? I'm trying to yeah, picture you that. See, you guys should see her face when I said that. She's like, she's like, oh, she trying can't. to picture it. Yeah. So it's a it's a picture of a Frank Breach baby. Uh huh. With the fetal scalp electrode on the baby's head. So what does that mean? It means the baby was vertex. They put ah, the scalp electrode on, and okay. then sometime during labor, <laughs> the baby completely flipped around. So it does happen. I mean, we yeah, talk I've, about yeah, it. Yeah, I've not seen it, but yeah, yeah I'm sure anything so. can happen. On the outliers. Okay. Right. Okay, keep going. Okay, so this one's from Lana, and I don't know where she's from. It probably isn't. No, maybe not. Just a brief one. She says, happy March. Hope you're doing well. I love your podcast, and your sidekick, Bliss, is just darling. Aww. You're so darling. I'm a sidekick. Thank you both for all you do. Really appreciate your work. I love when people write us letters, and the first sentence is always something gracious like that. That's really, really nice. By the way, if we got letters that said we were doing an awful job or something, I'd read those too. As a matter of fact, I'd probably read those first. You told everybody last time, don't don't complain. We that. don't want to hear your complaints. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> that doesn't stop people who want to complain. We are, in, we are interested in how we could be better, always. Is there a certain time frame a healthy, low-risk woman with no medical condition should wait in between to have another pregnancy? Um, they say a year. There's a lot of opinions out there about a good time to wait is one is one year or more. Mm-hmm. Love to know your thoughts and what the evidence slash science says. Thank you so much. I look forward to hearing from you from Lana, but I, I don't know where she's from. But, um, okay, so why? Why? I don't have any science. Which, so, sorry. Well, so give, give us your, uh, <laughs> your ethereal that's, take. That's just what, the, um, that's what I was taught in terms of recovery for the body to be able to kind of replenish its system and... Um, to heal from from and nurture the and nurture your your newborn baby, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't have any science behind it. Sorry, yeah. but do you? No, 
Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but, you know, pregnancy is really hard on the body. Yeah. It, and it deplenishes you, um, your minerals, your vitamins, feeding a baby, replenishing your blood afterwards. Yeah. All of that is very deplenishing. Yeah. You know, if I really trusted, like, I mean, you know, I trust the 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 pregnant woman's body. I mean, I trust the body. I trust it in many ways to, to know a lot more than what, what we think experts know. Um, and I always say to people, well, you'll ovulate when your body is ready. Mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. So some women will be breastfeeding and won't have a period for six months or a year. And if you're not, if you're not having periods, you're probably not ovulating and therefore you're not going to get pregnant. And the body knows that. And so sometimes because of the low estrogen, effect of breastfeeding you may not ovulate or you may not prep the lining of your uterus well enough to get pregnant so your body is naturally doing some sort of delay but then there are women who get pregnant three months after they've had a baby they're fertile that's so that means that they're but that means their body's saying that it's okay to do it because if the body wasn't saying it was okay to do it so i don't know that we should be actually putting a time limit i think socially giving yourself a year or two between babies makes perfect sense um, it's hard raising two toddlers. I mean, I have my, my lovely f- client, Hannah, who has a four-year-old and then twins that were 15 months and another set of twins who were born <laughs> two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So she's got five babies under four. Mm-hmm. All right. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, okay. So we're talking about like the species being like repopulated like an animal, right? So your body can get pregnant and deliver. Your body's healthy enough to hold a pregnancy. But that doesn't mean that your vitality oh, agreed. and I, optimal I, agreed. Yeah, energy level and all of that, you can just see it from pregnancy to pregnancy. We just talk about anecdotally, you know, that women are just like, wow, I just feel so much more tired this pregnancy. I'm just, you know. Um, so I think that giving your body, especially if you're doing extended breastfeeding or you're thinking about tandem breastfeeding, I think that giving your body some time to be able to kind of replenish itself before it's pregnant again um, is the best for your body. But if you are older and you know, you're feeling like I don't have a lot of time to, to get, have these pregnancies and I'm ready to do that. Or, you know, you've got some other, um, situation with like your husband being deployed or, you know, there's different things that could be a situation where you're like, this is going to be the best option for us. Yeah. Lana, I don't think there's a, there's any scientific evidence yeah. behind it. I have heard actually some people have said that you ideal inter pregnancy interval or having interkid interval is four years having them four years apart and they're that way the, the i don't know exactly why and i don't know that these people are experts or they're just shooting from the hip but i've heard that put out there as well so it gives you more time there's they're spaced out they're not in the same school they're, they're this sort of thing mm-hmm. um who Di- knows? getting out of diapers all that you yeah know, socially mm-hmm. like you were saying socially there's there's definitely reasons but medically um, it's not going to harm you to necessarily have Irish twins. Irish twins. Right. Right. Okay. So here's a little bit longer letter, but I thought it was good because it was a bit of a positive. So I, I wanted to, um, I mean, a positive st- hospital story. So, okay. So this is from Phoebe, uh, who writes, hi, Dr. Stu and Bliss. First off, I felt compelled to write and let you know, Bliss, that you and your family have been in my thoughts since I listened to your beautiful episode about Sky. Of course, I can't imagine the grief that you are going through, and I don't have the right words, but I want you to know I've been thinking of you as we all have. By the Thank way. you. 
It sounds uh, like she was such a special person and what a talented singer. She had me bawling. Mm. Um, she was so impressed with how eloquently you spoke. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm a first-time mom and I gave, ten, I gave birth 10 weeks ago. I had a pretty textbook pregnancy followed by an unmedicated hospital birth after laboring for over 48 hours. Wow. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, but so worth it. I listened to you throughout my pregnancy and just wanted to thank you for the wealth of information and what you're doing really makes a tangible difference. I don't think I would have had the confidence to advocate for myself or the strength to make it through if I hadn't taken the time to get educated. So thank you for being a great resource. Oh, I have goosebumps. Yeah. Congratulations. And we are so glad that us jabbering on <laughs> makes a difference for people. I got so many topics in my file that we haven't, we, we just don't have time to get to most of the time. I got a thing on bishop score and on breaches and on, uh, on marginal chord insertions and all these things. We'll get to, we'll, we'll eventually get to those Let's things. Do it. Big pile of stuff. Let's do it. She goes on with all the ho horror stories out there. I thought you might like to hear about a positive experience in the hospital. Mm -hmm. We're a, Equal Opportunity Podcast here. I love positive stories. I got everything I wanted for my birth without having to fight with anyone. I was offered intermittent monitoring, juice, snacks, cold washcloths, and a birth ball without even having to ask. Yes. Where is this place? <laughs> Oz? They're getting better. <laughs> I had a few amazing nurses who acted like doulas. They played soothing music and encouraged me the whole way through. My OB even had me catch my own baby. Woo. Without me asking. Love it. And a nurse took my husband's phone and got tons of photos we will treasure forever. I felt like I was given informed consent and treated like a human the whole time. It was such a relief because I really expected more pushback. Oh, here it was. I was at Jupiter Medical Center in South Florida with Dr. Dudley Brown. Congratulations to the hospital, Dr. Dudley Brown, for God, doing that. I love the name Dudley. I mean, that's not a name you hear anymore. <laughs> Dudley. I wonder if Dudley's from England or British. Your next cat. Wasn't Dudley uh, Harry Potter's Dudley. Like, like uh, cousin? Was oh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't that Dudley? Yeah. Okay. What a great name, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, sort of an, it's sort of a name on, uh, like, like Stuart, which isn't that popular anymore. Mm -hmm. But congratulations to you, um, Phoebe. She says, now for two small questions, mm. if you are still reading, which I am. <laughs> There was one thing that made me scratch my head in the hospital. I asked for nitrous oxide, but they would not give it to me because I had a B12 deficiency during pregnancy. It was in their questionnaire as a contraindication. I received injections a few times while pregnant and had repeated blood work that showed my levels were good four weeks prior to delivery, but they wouldn't take my word for it. I guess there was nothing about this in my chart since I received the treatment from a different doctor. This wasn't something the OB mentioned prior or even though even though he knew I had this problem and was interested in using nitrous. The hospital staff seemed really confused about whether or not I should be able to have it, and no one could explain why it is contraindicated or what the risks are. It was a real bummer in the moment, but I ended up pushing through without it. I'm curious if you know why this is a big deal and what the risks are. Shouldn't they have been able to verify that I was no longer B12 deficient rather than just saying no? And finally, I noticed when talking about babies, you guys always say, it instead of he or she. <laughs> but people do listen to us. Yeah. Words are important. It always kinds of rubs me it always kind of rubs me the wrong way for some reason. I'm wondering if this is language all medical people use, or is there a reason? Do you have trouble remembering which babies are boys and girls? <laughs> Just curious. Okay, so I wrote in response to Phoebe, okay? And here's what I wrote. Uh, this was last month, so I said 
Sometimes we say the baby, unquote. Sometimes he or she, and sometimes it. A lot of times it is because I don't remember the sex, and I get in the habit of not saying the sex when I do ultrasound, as many clients don't want to know. Mm-hmm. So using the term it is not meant to rub anyone the wrong way. <laughs> but now you have but now you have made us conscious of it, so let's see what happens. <laughs> as for the nitrous oxide and B12 thing, I am not an expert here, but this is what, sort of what I found out. During nitrous, ox, uh, during nitrous oxide use for labor and delivery, children with prevalent inborn errors of single carbon metabolism and third trimester cobalamin deficiency, that's B12, are exposed to high concentrations of nitrous oxide for durations well in excess of those needed to inactivate methionine synthase and its cobalamin cofactor. I know that sounds pretty... Yeah, you, you got that face. Go. So they have a hard time um, processing it? The babies, you're saying, right? That's what they're saying, is that mm-hmm. it, it inactivates some sort of enzyme system. Because mm-hmm. they... Whatever. But I don't think I don't know that the babies are B12, and I and I and I think that if she was given B12 and she's not B12 deficient at the time that the nitrous was used, that it should be perfectly fine. So they could have done a blood draw and confirmed that she was not. Or they could have taken her word for it, or they could have gotten the records from the other doctor. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. The comparative safety of nitrous oxide in labor and delivery has never been investigated. Okay, which mm-hmm. is typical of a lot of things we do in in medicine these days. We just automatically knee jerk things because mm-hmm. we think they're a good idea. All right, so then I read. I went on to read. It says, I, I copied this, I think, cut and pasted it, because it's not my words. Nitrous oxide oxidizes an active form of B12, making it inert. The adverse effects of nitrous oxide, with the exception of consciousness, nausea and vomiting, and neuroaptosis. I don't even know what that is. Quickly look that, look that, look that one up. <laughs> Everybody look that up at home and let me know what that is. Are due to inactivation of... of Vitamin B12. B12 is an important coenzyme in the conversion of homocysteine to methionine. Methionine uses folate to synthesize myelin, DNA, and RNA. The nitrous oxide inhibition of cobalamin B12 can lead to impaired DNA synthesis and reduce levels of methionine, possibly regarding, resulting in impaired metabolic pathways. Now, I don't know how long you have to be exposed to nitrous oxide for this to happen. Is it like a 10-minute exposure, or is it, is it hours? It doesn't say. Well, the last the last woman that I had as a transport who used it in labor, she was using it for seven, eight hours. I mean, it's on and off, but, you know, every contraction for seven, eight hours, that's a lot of exposure, right? It does say after adequate replacement for B12 deficiency, there should be no contraindications to its use in labor. My experience with anesthesiologists and hospitals in general is that they are risk averse especially with pregnant women, and so are resistant to change. Right. Hope that explains a little. I mean, that makes sense in the hospital in general. But Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's that. So you know what? Looking at the time, I think I'll save the... I have a couple more, but I'm going to save them because we need to talk about something that's in the, obviously in everybody's mind in the news Yep. right now. We do. And that is, will the Kings do better next season? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody is worried about that, Stu. Well, as of today's... Recording, the Kings have now won six in a row and are 8-0-1 in their last 11 games. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty damn good. You're excited. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for next year. I wish I could <laughs> be excited for you. 
I mean, I mean, I'm excited <laughs> for you. With you is what I meant to say. Um, I just am not a sports person, and and hockey especially, I I don't know very much. Yeah, about. well, I'm sure that that's really not the reason we're, we're we want to talk about this next subject. The next no. subject, obviously, is no. uh, the coronavirus. Uh, obviously, everyone. Obviously, the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. People want to know mm-hmm. about coronavirus, so I I do have some data here, but I wanted to talk a little bit. I'm glad you brought before data. we do about the. You know, you you brought this up to me. You said you're going to ask me questions about it, and I think you should probably take the lead here. But before nope. I do, no, <laughs> that's why you're the best in the business, I guess, right? Oh my God. Okay. Um, well, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the hysteria and the panic. Yeah. Before yeah. we before we talk a little bit about the science behind it and what's going on. Okay. Can I, can I read something about that part? That, that I, I liked? Yeah, you can read something. Okay. So one of our friends, Dr. Berlin, who also has a post, uh, Informed Pregnancy, yesterday on oh, uh, I saw that post, Instagram, right. he put, the panic is worse th- than the pandemic. Please calm down. And then I love what he said. We, sur- we survived Y2K, anthrax, West Nile virus, SARS, bird flu, E. coli, market bubble burst, swine flu, Mayan calendar doomsday, North Korean nuke threat, Ebola, ISIS, Zika, and now novel corona. Turn off the constant news feed. They thrive on fear. Wash your hands and be nice to people. So <laughs> Okay, so we can move on to the next topic now then. <laughs> but, no, you know, I mean, well, there he, is hysteria. This is this kind well, of... Well, as of today, as of today, I think there were 24 deaths mm-hmm. in the United States from coronavirus, and there were over 20,000 deaths from the influenza virus. Mm-hmm. And not a peep. Every year, there's between twenty and 60,000 people that die mostly infirm, mostly elderly. Same thing with the coronavirus. I mean, it affects mostly the infirm, mostly elderly. People that are young, people that are healthy, people that are under 65, under 70 years old, probably have very little to worry about this. The mortality rate is really, really low. But it is higher in people who are infirm, and it is higher in people in confined spaces where they're, they're um, you know, elderly, like nursing homes, and those people are at risk. And and, and, you know, keeping them isolated, or I mean, not keeping them isolated, keeping them away from people who might have it makes really good sense. People who are more at risk, keeping them away. But, right? the, can- but the canceling of events, okay, mm-hmm. the canceling of South by Southwest, the canceling of, of, of conferences, uh, you and I potentially are supposed to go to Ecuador in June. We don't know, mm-hmm. now we don't know if that's going to happen. I've got a conference coming up in, uh, in uh, Texas in, uh, at the end of April. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I heard last yesterday that Santa Clara County in California has banned any gatherings over 1,000 people. Oh, in, um, in Denmark, too. Okay. By the way. But let me ask this question, okay? Why, who decided that 1,000 was okay, but 2,000 was not okay? Right. And so that means that you, right now you have, you have the, the San Jose Sharks play in, let's get back to a sports reference. Mm-hmm. They play. They probably play in an arena that holds probably fifteen or 16,000 people. So now they're going to comply with the ordinance. So does that mean they're going to take their games and they're going to give refunds to people and they're going to play in an empty stadium? Because that's what they're talking about doing. And we have March Madness coming up. Mm-hmm. So are they going to play these games with nobody in the stands? Is that what's going to happen? Does that uh, mean it would only be televised? Why don't they let people go who want to go and not let people go who don't want to go? I mean, unless there's, unless there's evidence that there's a, a pandemic in that, in that area, if people choose not to go, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, but don't shut down the event because they, they choose not to go. I mean, because, because of that. Right. Uh, I just, I don't understand that. I don't understand the hoarding of toilet paper. 
<laughs> okay. Why toilet paper? I mean, I could understand hoarding of frozen food or hoarding of, of canned goods or something, but, but toilet paper. It's so eerie to walk in a grocery store and see empty shelves. Yeah, is that what's happening? Yeah. I was there yesterday. I went to get some regular food, but I went to look at the toilet paper aisle because I was curious, <laughs> and it, it was empty. It wow. was empty. Wow. Why, we don't know why toilet paper. Yeah, though, right? why, why is toilet paper the thing? I can understand. Okay, you know, I mean, I don't, hoarding Kleenex maybe so you can blow your nose. Okay, fine. I mean, but toilet paper is an odd thing to be hoarding. You know, and... and uh, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's just so funny to me that, you know, and we, we're, we're supposed to be the land of the free and the home of the brave. Mm-hmm. And we're becoming, you know, just tell me what to do and I'm scared out of my mind. <laughs> that should be the new motto for our country. All right. Now, yeah. But it's not just our country. Well, it's, yeah. They're doing quarantines. But I'm, I'm, I understand in that. In all other countries, a lo- not all, but a lot of other countries for 14 days. People are getting stuck on ships, can't get, get back to land. You know, I mean, it, to me, it seems, it's like something out of a movie. You know, if it was really like something that was killing people, like, you know the zombie apocalypse. Yes. that kind of you know we we play yeah like the World War Z with uh, with Brad right, Pitt. Right, right. I mean that that's movie. kind of how it feels, but yet it's um, so. I what the questions that I wanted to ask you is how you know I, I get like talking about toilet paper and being upset about conferences being closed and stuff. Well, look what, what it, look what before you do that. Look what it's done to the financial markets. Mm-hmm. All right, maybe there was an adjustment coming anyway, but this certainly triggered the thing. And then you look at I mean in L.A. there's like uh, decreased traffic. You know, it's just, it's just. That I don't have a problem no, I, with. It, it, it's, it's just weird. It's mm-hmm. just weird. I was at the, like I said, I went to the Kings game last night. It was a Monday night, so maybe people weren't going to go anyway. It wasn't raining yet or anything like that. Mm-hmm. The weather was fine. And uh, the, the place had was probably 25% empty. It was really weird. Yeah. It's easy getting concessions, though. I, <laughs> I know everything's easier yeah. for those of us who aren't afraid we're, we're just gonna like have a really good time jordan and i my my eldest son and i went and had sushi last night and the woman next to us it was it was like a happy hour thing so you know there was only an hour to get your food and it seemed like people who got there at five thirty like wanted to be there right away but the woman across from us was in a hurry i mean like she ordered her food fast she wanted she didn't want to wait you know and I, I kept noticing, and I said to Jordan, wow, I wonder what's going on with her. And he goes, oh, they have things to do. And they were an older couple. And I'm like, I doubt that they're like rushing off because they have things to do. And he said, well, maybe they just don't want to like out, be out for too long. And I was like, that makes more sense to me that like someone would just be like limiting their exposure. Like, let's just get in and get out, you know? Um, well, there are some companies that have dictated to their, to their delivery people Okay, I don't remember the names of all these delivery companies that deliver food that now are doing, you know, knock and dash. Mm-hmm. So they're not handing you the food anymore. And mm-hmm. the other companies are still handing you the food. Starbucks has eliminated using reusable cups. So you can't come in with your reusable cup and say, put, can you put my thing in here? Just for now, I suppose. For now. Yeah. Um, at the restaurant yesterday, she opened up those like warm washcloths and handed to the, us to them at the beginning. And I said, I'm sure that this has to do with that. He's like, really? You don't think that it has to do with just, you know, it's the normal thing? I'm like, I've never been to a Japanese restaurant where they opened it up and handed it to you at the beginning of the meal. Never. 
So. Well, anyway, I mean, simple precautions are fine, but the panic and hysteria, as Elliot described in his uh, yeah. in his uh, post, yeah. is 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 crazy. But let's get down to the nitty gritty because some yeah. people are going to die. Some people do every year, and some people are going to get very sick. And so let's talk a little bit about about coronavirus and pregnancy, coronavirus yes. and newborns, screening for it, uh, breastfeeding coronavirus. I mean, again, we're not going to see it that often in young, healthy people, mm-hmm. but um, you're going to see it. And people have questions about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't have all the answers, but I, I did spend hours um, looking at the CDC website. I went to Quest Diagnostics website uh, about about collecting specimens. Oh, Renee's... Uh, oh. <laughs> All right, you take over for a second, will you? Uh, I'm supposed to take over? <laughs> um, we are, our guest is coming right now for the next podcast, so that's what that's what's happening. Um, but I do want to know um, what you're telling your clients. And the question that specifically, um, I, you know, I've been asked recently is like, when guests are coming postpartum, you know, are people like asking guests not to come anymore because they've been on planes? You know, what's the best way for if it's a 14 day incubation, like what would be the best recommendation if we're giving people true informed consent? Well, I haven't had anybody specifically ask me yet. That's why I'm asking okay. you. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, people want to know, you know, how, well, I don't even know where to begin, quite frankly, but I, I think that if you have symptoms of a flu or a cold, Something like that. The best thing to do is probably just stay home and take care of it like you would otherwise. Well, yes, that that All makes right. sense. Take lots of vitamin C. Drink lots of fluids. Rest. You probably it'll probably go away. Whether it's the flu virus or whether it's uh, COVID nineteen, that's the way it's going to go in most of us that have it. If you want to be tested, you need you probably either need to go to an emergency room because a lot of people don't necessarily want you coming into their office and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. However. The way you test for this is um, it's a nasal swab mm-hmm. or a sputum sample if you're coughing up stuff. And there are very few labs that are doing it right now. But Quest Lab just started on March 9th, which I think was yesterday when we're recording, of, of announcing that they now will be taking collecting specimens. Most labs don't do it. The, it, w- it took a while for the, the, t- the, the to get enough tests circulated. By the way, that's another problem because a lot of the testing and a lot of the things and the medicine stuff come from China. so you know we have to reevaluate how we do things in the united states as far as our dependency on on foreign countries for vital things like antibiotics and uh antiviral medication things like that and face masks and stuff there's a big shortage of that wearing a face mask is useless not going to help you unless you're sick you should wear it to protect other people not to protect yourself say why why is it useless? i don't know that's what i read okay right because because it, it, the, the face masks you have don't prevent particulate matter from getting in. I mean, they're, they're, unless you have one of the high quality ones, mm-hmm. which are not, which there, there aren't any available. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean like has like the respirator kind of thing on it? Is that what you mean? Right. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. I mean. All mm-hmm. right. So let me just, let me, let me read a couple things here because otherwise I'm going to get out of my, out of my league. The American College of OBGYN put out a, 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 a thing a couple, about a week ago that said, uh, there are currently no recommendations specific to pregnant women. So every all the recommendations that they have are basically for all people who have the co- who have the virus, not specifically for pregnant women, because there's not enough data. Okay. I mean, it's a new virus. It's been around for what three months. Mm-hmm. So there's no data on, on on how it affects the fetus in particular. That's correct. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Currently, it is unclear if COVID-19 can cross through the transplacental route to the fetus. Okay. They don't know. Okay. So when you don't know, you people can say anything and they, and they can act like an expert. But the truth is, is no one's an expert. Mm-hmm. We don't have experts in this right now because it's 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 new. new. Mm-hmm. But if you take if you take it like other viruses, then you tend not it tends not to be alarming. I mean, some viruses are are, are a potential problem, like parvovirus B nineteen, which causes fifth disease, can cause problems in a pregnancy. Listeria is a bacteria which can cause problems in a pregnancy. But high most, fever early. In pregnancy, can be can be. Oh yeah, harmful. well, the, yeah, from the symptoms itself. But mm-hmm. I'm saying, but these other things cross cross the placental barrier, mm-hmm. whereas as most viruses that people get don't. Yeah. And the mother's immune system protects the baby. Um, and patients who who are are diagnosed with this, you know, they need to be put into if they're in the hospital there, but you need to be put in a special isolation area, if you have it. But how do you know you have it? I mean, it's really difficult to tell. And until until this week, there really hasn't been testing for it. So as I said before, if you're young and healthy and you think you've got a cold or a flu, then just stay home. Stay away from other people. Uh, you know, take a few days off. Um, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now there is a test, so you could get swabbed. But I don't know that doctors necessarily want people coming to their office to get tested. So I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work. Because should you you know, pull into a parking lot and go up the elevator and and go into a doctor's office where there's other older people in a waiting room if, with your internist office. And if you think you have COVID-19, I mean, that doesn't seem very smart to me. Yeah, it sounds like ER, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It sounds mm-hmm. like that's, that's it. And it says here, um, currently the primary concern is not whether the virus can be transmitted through, oh, for breastfeeding, by the way, is not whether the virus can be transmitted through breast milk, but rather whether an infected mother can transmit the virus through respiratory droplets right. during during the time she's breastfeeding. So, because breastfeeding is not contraindicated, mm-hmm. right? As far as we know, uh, in limited case series reported to date, no evidence of virus has been found in the breast milk of women infected with COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. So, but she's contagious other ways. Right, but as soon as she's not coughing or sneezing or anything like that, then it's probably fine. Mm-hmm. Again, we're not going to see a lot of these people because, it, yeah, I mean, uh, the, I mean, nationwide, I think the numbers are 500, 600 people. I, I read somewhere that it takes about six days for the number of cases to double. Mm-hmm. So it's going to get worse. Will it be a million people? I don't know. We don't, oh, no one knows. Will the seasons change? Will it get warm outside and will suddenly it just all disappear? That's very likely too. I mean, rarely do any does anyone ever get flu in the summertime, right? Yeah, well, I don't know. I Renee's not, Renee off offset is <laughs> nodding yes. Okay, so I trust I, Renee. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I don't know really what to tell people about it. I think that the panic is worse certainly than than the disease itself. And the anxiety and what that does to your your intestines and your and your immune and your system, immune system, mm-hmm. and your uh, your brain and and how you see the world and how you interact with others when you're all when you're constantly in fear or worried, you know. And stop hoarding toilet paper. All right, <laughs> share some with the rest of us. Well, what would you say if a client came in and asked you, "I'm thinking about traveling," or family members are thinking about coming in from other places? Well, the, the you know the government and has recommended at this point that that you only travel if it's absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. That traveling right now should not be um, something that that you should do electively. 
So it's a tough, it's a tough situation. Like I'm supposed to go to a conference. Well, if they cancel the conference and I'm not going, mm-hmm. but I would go personally, I would travel. I mean, I don't, and I'm 63 and I don't really have a fear of catching. I've trusted my immune system all my life. Yeah. And, uh, I think that, you know, people have to decide for themselves what's of value to them. And if they have something where they need to go someplace to visit a family member or to go to some thing or whatever, but if you're planning a vacation and you can get a refund or you can get a, you know, a rescheduling of your vacation, probably now is a good time because everywhere you go, you might be planning to go to someplace and want to see a museum or something like that. It's going to be closed. Or you could get quarantined for 14 days, which stuck. sucks. Yeah. You yeah. could go into a country expecting to go around and then they say, well, I'm sorry, you can't leave for 14 days and, yeah. and you have a seven-day vacation planned. Yeah. So what's right now when you say that the, the recommendation is right now? So we're just until we hear further? Yeah, because they don't, because things, we're learning as we go. Yeah. So it's just standard precautions for like any viral illness. But I think, you know, the flu is, is far more contagious, kills far more people. It's been around longer. But it changes every year. Mm-hmm. And but you know I mean, we have we have you. all we have all these warnings and and again I don't know if this is going to be worse than SARS or H one N one I have no idea but those didn't turn out to be very bad and I was going to say they, yeah those didn't end up being as as bad as we were worried about well as of yeah. as of today mm-hmm. basically essentially twenty four people in the United States have been killed mm-hmm. or died from this from this virus I mean that's, that's not a lot no but it's also horrible on any for on those any families. given week in Chicago that many people are shot right. 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 In terms of a pandemic, you know, right? Right. Any death is horrible is what I'm saying. I feel, you know, I, I send remorse to those families. But if we're talking about a pandemic, um, 24. But I think if our that. listeners are, are paying attention here, they're seeing that there, there's there's no answer. It's We're conflicted. I, I don't know what to tell people mm-hmm. because I know how I would live my life and I will go about my life. And until they cancel hockey games, I'm going to the, I'm going to my hockey games. So it's just like and I'm going to go to the movie theater, and yeah. I'm going to go to the mall, and I'm going to go uh, do those sorts of things that I would normally do. And if I don't feel good, then I'll stay home. But I would that would have been the same thing as I did last year or the year before that. Okay, that's what I would tell people. It's common sense. Okay, use your brain, people. What do you think, Bliss? What would you do? <laughs> About what? What's oh, the specific don't, don't question? Try to duck, yeah. What's the specific question? Am I going to go... go? Are you going to change the way you live your life right now? I'm washing my hands a lot more. By the way, I don't really understand how that... I mean, I always washed my hands, people, but more. Like when I walk into someone's house, I how, immediately wash my hands. Okay, let me ask a question about what hand washing. I understand everybody says you should hand wash, but but how does the, the droplets get on your hands? Are you saying... You, they get on surfaces, then you mm-hmm. touch it with your hands, and mm-hmm. then you touch your face. Is that mm-hmm. what they're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, like, I was in a restaurant the other day, and I'm not a paranoid person, but I'm just deciding, like, you just need to be smart, you know? If I get sick, it definitely, not only do I put people at risk, but also I'm not able to attend births and, you know, all of that. So, um, I was in a public restaurant the other day, and I was just much more aware about, like, not touching things and touching my face before I washed my hands. So, just being more conscious conscientious you know about about those kinds of things when you're out in public which i don't think that i really you know was that aware of i'm touching a surface someone else could be sick and then i'm touching myself but you know just being more conscientious about that but 
if I wasn't worried about being quarantined, I would take advantage of all the low airfares and I would just like travel like a maniac yeah. right now. Yeah. But I don't want to get quarantined. So there you go. That's yeah. how I would handle it. Well, you could stay in America and not get quarantined. I don't, I, I'm sick of America. I oh. want to go other places. Canada. You go to Canada. <laughs> okay, fine. But that's, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's good practical advice. No one really knows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I don't like to sound prophetic, but when it's your time, it's your time. Mm. Don't you think? Sort of? I mean, yes, but that's probably not how I'm going to counsel my, my clients. Well, the other thing, too, is what would happen right now if you had a cold? Would you... And, you, and I would get tested, first of all, because I'd want to know. But what if I got a cold and I got called to a birth? Do I go? No. What if it's a breach? I tell them to go get a C-section at the hospital because I can't go? Well, I think if you told someone, I'm not sure if I have the coronavirus, they would they would t- choose a C-section rather than getting, you know, exposing their newborn baby to that. You know, this is a perfect excuse for somebody who doesn't finish their homework. <laughs> what does that mean? They could just say... They could just say, oh, I'm sorry, teacher, I, I can't bring my homework in today because I have coronavirus. Well, there you go. You could use it to your advantage if you'd like. Great advice, Stu. Because <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't help if I, you know, even if I wore a mask at a birth. First of all, I don't have any masks because I can't get them. No. Inf- I mean, it's always about informed consent. You just have to give people, you know, you could say, I'd be willing to come, but this is what's happening. That's how I do it if I think I am sick anyways. Well, talking about this has not been one of my favorite things. I'm sorry. Right. So when the bee stings, <laughs> when I'm feeling sad, <laughs> when the dog bites and all that stuff, what do we do? Simply remember our favorite things. And then? We don't feel so bad. Correct. That's right. So, <laughs> That yeah. should have been our ending music. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I fell asleep at the wheel there. I just triggered John. Anyway, so we don't really have an answer for you on the COVID virus, but it's going to get, it's, by the time this podcast airs, there's going to be new information. So this all may be obsolete. I'm thinking that like any other virus, I think very positively that, that it's going to go when the weather changes and it's going to go away. And we're going to have some people who've lost loved ones, but most people are not. And then the panic is all going to look a little bit ridiculous. We've been through this before, so yeah, it yeah. will. Yeah, so people in Ecuador, just keep the conference going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so once again, guys, thank you for listening. We know that you have lots and lots of choices of what to listen to. There's so many podcasts. I just added a couple new ones myself onto my podcast app. Uh, but we love that you listen to ours. And this has been podcast number 167. Uh, if you need to reach us, you know how to do it. You can get me at, at birthinginstincts.com. Bliss is at, or at birthing, blissmidwifery.com. Uh, find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. In the meantime, stay healthy and stay out of trouble. And don't hoard the toilet paper. Exactly. <laughs> See you next time. Bye-bye.